For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Border Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He sets the chance to get through. Bontempelli! Simply the bot! Gives it to Gord. Torment eased and a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. When you're a team with top end aspirations, round nine is far too soon to reach the fork in the roads. But that is the reality for the Western Bulldogs. Three and five, struggling for form, an endless injury list. And to claw and to scratch their way back into this season, victory tonight would seem essential. They'll have to earn it. They'll have to earn it against Collingwood, who have enjoyed promising moments on the journey under Craig McRae so far. Friday Night Footy brings us to Marvel under the roof as the Dogs and the Magpies square off. Hello and welcome to AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest Nike footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Jared Waitley with you. Anthony Hudson is with me. Hello, hello. Evening, Jared, And hello, everyone. Hope you're enjoying your Friday night. And we look ahead to what is a fascinating game, 9th versus 10th, but it, it, different paths we expected them to be. It seems a long time since round one last year, didn't they, when they, they met, last met at the MCG. And I remember making the observation during the game, I can see this Bulldogs team on grand final day here at the G, which, of course, didn't prove to be correct because we didn't play the grand final at the MCG. But they, they did make the grand final last year. And as seems to be typical of uh, the Luke Beveridge tenure, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a guide for what happens next. But they've got some excuses, haven't they? Their injury list is massive. So tonight they just have to find a way. And then, obviously, they do get some players back. And, and from there, hopefully, things... Um, Things might change, but big week, great story with uh, Leon Cameron. Not great for Leon, I, I suppose, but really well handled. And I'm sure we'll ask uh, Jonesy all about what it's like from a player's uh, perspective. The old Collingwood Bulldogs game I was thinking of coming here tonight was round one, 2020. Nobody here. Collingwood wiped the Bulldogs off the park, and it looked like they were absolutely cherry ripe into the new season under Nathan Buckley. And they were never sighted again, yeah. in a way. I, I've said this before. I remember about round three or four when we were gathered pre-match for the Essendon game that year. About we Just no crowd and, and all that. I thought Collingwood were the best-placed club going forward. They've got Dacos on the horizon. They've started the year well. Everything's looking rosy. Well, after that, they didn't fire a shot. And two months later, their coach was gone. <laughs> Nathan Jones, welcome back into the world. Yes, thanks, guys. I've been in the wilderness for a couple of weeks. Apologies for my uh, very nasal sound tonight, but um, obviously uh, six, well, six people in my household, four children. We've gone down with COVID and it was a two-week ordeal and uh, I'm back. I'm, uh, I'm on the on the mend and uh, I'm feeling good. It's nice to be here tonight. And, was that uh, a convincing I'm back? Or can you just say <laughs> no, that? I am actually back. Right. I feel, I, well, I am 
back. But other than the blocked nose and a little bit of a cough here or there, I'm COVID clear and uh, I'm ready for tonight's game. It should be a good one. It, uh, you mentioned it earlier, Jared. at fork in the road at round nine. I think it is, absolutely. My, my uh, thoughts were it's almost lined in the sand, really, uh, for the expectations on the dogs. And I think... Really, it's uh, it's going to shape the perspective on how far Collingwood can go, and uh, they've been, I guess, uh, inspired by the injection of some youth this season. But how long does that last, and how uh, you know sustainable is the way they're playing with uh, you know all their speed, in particular off half back, and um, and you know I guess some of the foundations that uh, Craig McRae would have put in over the summer. We love to do a how would a player be feeling as they're driving their car in. So how would Marcus Pontempelli, you talked about that fork in the road, what, what would he be thinking driving in tonight? Uh, I think like internally at the club you wouldn't want to talk it up too much and I would anticipate you know, that would be the path they've gone down. Like Obviously, you know, in the end it's only four points. I think the way we look at it is you look at their, you know, if, the, if they lose tonight, they're a long way back as far as, um, you know, I guess, I think because our expectations externally is they played off in a grand final last year. Why aren't they in that sort of top four mix again? And they haven't found that spark and that form that would reflect that. So I guess we're making observations that if they lose tonight, they are a long way back from being the team that we all anticipated them being this season. But I think within the dogs lineup, they're thinking we can get back on track and they know the formula, how to do that. Um, they would obviously be reviewing their game strongly and trying to remain somewhat positive. Hence, it's only, you know, we're not, we're not even at the halfway point of the season. But, um, you know, there would be an element of anticipation because they would want to get rolling and they would know the feeling of momentum and, and the excitement of when they play their best footy. And I think they'd be sort of longing for that feeling again. When an injury list is as big as theirs is, and the coach last night spoke uh, last week spoke of the night of carnage, how debilitating is it? So it's not like so they are threadbare. There's no question. You go through their lineup; they have a, a good swag of established players, but it thins and it yeah. thins quickly. Um, how, so <laughs> excuses and reasons. I think a, an injury list like that is a yeah. pretty good reason. How debilitating can it be? Oh yeah, significantly. And you only have to look at, like for mine, I sit there and I think English is English right now with the form he's showed this year is the equivalent of Melbourne losing Gorn, really. He's in that good a nick and he's been so terrific this season that, um, you know, I, th- I think he is a huge loss. And then you see, I look at Waitman and Vandermeer, genuine speed, play a really important role structurally as high forwards, small forwards that put pressure on, which allow their defensive system, which in some way or in a lot of ways is undermanned. They do get Keith back tonight. But, you know, it's... uh, Like you said, there's excuses and reasons, and I think injuries are a legitimate reason to suggest that. And, you know, what it does, it really tests the club's depth, um, and we've seen the teams that have been able to create you know, dynasty-like uh, results over long periods of time, particularly in the last decade. Yeah, there's, there's a few of them with you know, the Hawthorns, the Geelongs, the Richmonds that have been so consistent. Sydney's another one. You know, that depth is just so vitally important. But then you couple that with losing such significantly key players in the way your system um, sort of rolls on and works, um, 
you know, it's it somewhat makeshift for them at the moment to try and rediscover their best form without some of their most vital cogs. How much does it mitigate? So that they haven't shown great form before no. the injuries really became a crisis. So now they've got both running in tandem. Yeah, well, they, their midfield has basically stayed intact. Now, I mean, that, that you would think keeps them competitive, but their problems were already really at either end of the ground, weren't mm. they? Obviously, Bruce being long-term, and even when he was playing, that was only just a forward line. Um, and now, they've, as you said, they've lost that sort of the, the small man up yeah. forward as well. But Keith comes back, Bont comes back, English... They were hoping to get back, and then he got crook. So, yeah, I don't know. It's the other thing that's interesting. I think about the Bulldogs and you know Sam Darcy to play this weekend is their forward ills. You think that they will be able to as as Darcy and Jamara, and Jamara sort of come on. You can see where their what their yeah. forward line is going to look like. And Bruce back, they might almost have too many, but that's not this year, yeah. is it? Well, certainly other than Bruce, that's they're not going to be the answer this year, are they? So it kind yeah, of. Well, do you think it's a it's a wasted year. You can see with Hugo Hagen, it's, he's going to take time. That's there, there. He's got all the attributes. But for him to really find his level, like you look at Norton, how, like Norton's, what, 23? And he's trying to hold down the number one key position, forward position, and without any help. Like he is underrated, really. The, the quality of player and the level he plays at so consistently with without the structure around him to really assist with that like what a player he is but ultimately I think for the dogs to you know be competitive and and sort of reach the level of form that we'd expect them to they're going to have to unveil some sort of foil to assist with with that and but what we find right now it's almost compounding because they don't have the tools then they've lost two of their most vital smalls um, and they've been quite thin down back they lose their Ruckman, who really is is the number one advantage to that strong and experienced on ball brigade. You know, they've, they've uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, I guess issues that they're facing. Um, I think internally they wouldn't necessarily be harping on that as much as maybe we are. You know, dissecting it. Ultimately, they'd be looking at just trying to execute and bring guys in that can play and fill roles. Clearly, they they may not get. Those those roles done to the level of some of the talent that is missing, but I think they'd back themselves in if they could just get them to you know more guys to perform the role to the at least the minimum level that they they they're good enough to win the game. It is interesting from a list point of view, isn't it? At come the end of the year with their surplus of midfielders, as to what they do, what yep. they recognise, and what they think they can get. It and them. Collingwood, so you get the the honeymoon phase under the new coach. Yeah. So they're four and four. Um, and they've, they've had really good moments. Uh, are we now, is, is this the grind of the season now where what's shiny and new can just come yeah. off a little bit and it, it, it's the hard yards? Well, I think that's sort of what I was alluding to before. Like, have, have we, like, and I, I've been there, you know, under a new coach, you know, everyone's kind of super optimistic. There's real gen, you know, energy and a vibe and, and particularly with the way they played early in the year, they were getting results, you know, there's bang for your buck and they're like, whoa, you know, this is great. This is, but then teams are now spend more time dissecting you. They spend, you know, I guess they, they put more effort into breaking down some of your strengths. And I think maybe that's what, that's why for me, Collingwood are at the crossroad because I think teams would be investing more into trying to unravel what they're doing. And, uh, and we're seeing that, you know, there's been questions on 
some of their you know more senior guys more and how in particular with their uh, I guess their concentration and focus and ability to defend rather than just like drop off and, and cover space and intercept mark. And we know how vital their ball movement is off half back through intercept marking. But now clearly teams are probably doing their homework and, and you know, playing through those guys, you know, you know, using the ball shorter, maybe creating overlap handball more often, which then takes them out of play and takes them out of position. Um, it's, it's, that's why tonight is such an interesting game because, um, you know, I guess Collingwood foundationally just have to go back to fundamentally what was making a really good team earlier in the year and, uh, and you know, bring a super high level of you know, energy and effort to execute that at, at its absolute best. And um, if they don't do that, you know, then I think what ends up happening is you start to question or doubt the direction they're going in and they may find themselves going down a more difficult path. But I think if they can find the ability to reset... And I guess go back to probably the real simple messages they would have got earlier in the year that uh, I don't reckon anyone would have been trying anything too far out of the book. It would have just been really sig- significant, um, you know, messaging and basic messaging around role playing and execution. And then they got results off that, um, which, yeah, ultimately in my experience at Melbourne, that was the difference between us becoming a good team and a great team was just the ability week after week, irrespective of what the result was, that you just reverted back to executing your role and every player within the 22, 23 players that play on the night, you know, I think that, you know, we came up with almost a, uh, you know, an equation of, you know, if we had 16 plus players achieve minimum standard or trademark performance, we'd generally win games of footy. I think Collingwood's almost at that sort of, at that point. To trust the system that they've, yep. they've, they've built and put in place. I wonder how close Darcy Moore plays to his opponent tonight. Yeah, well, that's going to yeah. be really interesting to watch. And he, like, that, I think that's the matchup of the game. I've got it written down here. Like Moore v Norton. Like, if that's the if that's how it ends up panning out, like how good? Because Norton's really, as I said before, has been in terrific form, and and, you th- and Darcy. Uh, Norton, sorry, has been in terrific form, and Darcy Moore has been questioned on his, I guess, his defensive um, hunger and his ability to really sort of grind out a result one-on-one. Well, let's see him against one of the most in-forward forwards in the comp, and, and I think that provides, you know, an awesome matchup for the night. It's such an interesting dynamic, as Moore's never been criticised like that before, mm, so yeah. that will be a new experience. It, we imagine what they were doing last week wasn't more being lax. It was something else. Yeah. So is it, are people holding their nerve or is more going, no, no, I'm not having six kicked on me. And the best way to beat the Bulldogs is to keep Norton to one. It is. Yeah. So you can have your proactive defences and you can have your spatial awnesses, but the best result tonight is for, for Darcy Moore to shut out Norton. Mm. So we'll see. We'll He's going to rely heavily, though, on on the pressure and performance up the field. Uh, and I think that gets lost a bit in, like, watching and reviewing footy. I think, you know, the opinions are, you know, oh, he got six goals kicked on him. It's a really poor defensive game. But if there's no pressure coming up the field, I'm telling you, I've been down back before you play one-on-one in space. It's almost impossible to defend. So you need guys up the field chasing and pressuring so so the forward isn't getting a lace out so you can get that extra half a step to get a fist in or just make some body. And I'm serving the same postcode, though, to start yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think they're, they're the adjustments that I'll be looking out for tonight, for sure. Like, you want more to be closer, but you also want Collingwood to be ferocious around the contest, not allowing the ball just to come in so freely and openly. 
Because, like, you don't want to take away their strength. There's such a fine balance. They've got guys like Howe Moore that intercept, and they actually create a lot of score off that rebound off half back. But at the same time, as you mentioned then, Hutter, like, you can't be giving them a leg rope that's 30, 40 metres long. So that's tonight, the Bulldogs and Collingwood. We will chat with Brendan Bolton from the, the Brains Trust at the Magpies and Amit Baines, the Chief Executive of the Dogs in the lead-up. The footy world find itself transfixed by the question of what will Clarko do next, and it's only May, and it's really not even the middle of May. So that was looming right through yesterday's... Our major development was that Leon Cameron has resigned as the Giants coach. He will lead them for the last time on Sunday, and in his ninth season, he will depart. So that's early. It's early for uh, for a coach to fall on his sword or, or to be um, or to be ushered out the door uh, after eight rounds of footy. But in a way, it was what the Giants set themselves up for. It was always a curious setup. They came into the season without offering their long term coach a contract they came into a season where they knew they weren't going to be successful this was a, a reset season and so the, the thing that never quite married up was how does a long-term coach reset a team without the contract to come next there were two risks one that he would become a lame duck coach and two this would become a wasted season so they'll have nine games under the coach who's gone as they've tried to make change and then they'll get 13 under fresh eyes but he's been yeah, Mark he McVay's has. been yep. a long-term part of it and as we sit here now it doesn't feel like he'll be the next coach so there's still the risk that this period of time that this year is is a year marking time before the new regime starts yeah which i've been there i've lived lived that for sure and it's what's the hardest thing about that well the hardest thing is from a player's perspective is you're going to, like they've got, as you said, you know, they've got 13 games left and like, what, yeah, exactly. And like, what changes does McVeigh make and how relevant is that to us going forward and where do I fit in that? And, you know, there's just, there'd be so many questions going through their mind because he needs to just... make the, the length of time um, a positive rather than a negative. And, yeah. and that's all very well for me to say that, but he has to find a way for that to be the case and to be able to communicate that. Yeah, absolutely. It? I think. Ultimately, all he can do, his, his job is just to try and get them playing as good a footy, win as many games as possible. Because what do you want in what, uh, the, the best thing that could happen is the players finish the year and go, you know, we've still we've got the makings of being able to be a good side and still win games of footy, still compete. And you've got to still keep them believing in the club and the club's direction. Um, and I've been on sort of two sides of that before where you, know, you just – you're hanging for the year to end because you're just going terribly and, you know, you, you just don't see any light. And then I've also been on the end of it where we've had a coach come in and we've won a handful of games coming towards the end of the year and you think, oh, new coach and a couple of new players and we'll be all right. Well, there's some optimism there. But, yeah, it's um, it's, a, it's really tough because I, I don't think he's going to be – I don't think Mark McVeigh is going to be the next coach. So – Really, his role is to hold the club together until they work out what the next phase is. And, and in a way, if he wins more games than we anticipated, it just confuses. We've seen that at other clubs; it just yeah. confuses everything, yeah. doesn't it? They, so, Clarko's one aspect. James Hurd is the other that makes it fascinating. But then there's also the other potential contenders that they can get in ahead of the other clubs, isn't it? So, I think the starting point for any club who's going to move on from their coach 
is to sit down with Alastair Clarkson. It's not to sit down and offer him the job straight away. It's to figure out, and, and Clarkson, Clarkson spoke about it last night, is what's the synergy like? What's the, the alignment like? So th- there's no doubt that the Giants and Clarkson make sense on, on a level. Oh, there's part of me that goes, the team that, that decides Adam Uze is the next great coach. So you can all move your pieces around on what we've seen and what we know, and there are some excellent coaches both in the system and just outside it. Or you can go, it looks like he's the next great coach. So we'll put all our energies into finding out how that looks. It is interesting, though. It's only early May. Like, it's hard to sit down and have any of those conversations at the moment. So I think you could sit down with Clarkson, but to hear him speak, because he doesn't really want to start entertaining it now. He's trying to have a break to be fresh, and so those conversations are down the track. You certainly can't sit down, like Adam Uze can't sit down in May with a club that, that's no. interested in him. So not, not unless they actually did something radical and got him to move in, in season. In season. <laughs> oh, imagine that. Um, can't see so, that happen. Yeah, so... May's very early to to have a vacancy staring at you. It makes them, it puts them in prime position to get in front of Clarkson early, but I'm just not quite sure. It's impossible to know when he might be prepared to commit. And to hear him talk last night was to think that he really doesn't want to be entertaining it till August. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's it's a curiosity. Um, it it finished as in the most dignified manner. It did, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we, we've been able to see for a while that it had run its course and it had run a very good course too. How close they were in 2016, the Giants. Great run through the finals in 2019. Fell off the map in 2020. It looked like they were cast last year and they fought their way back quite superbly and ended up winning an elimination final. They had very good in, in finals records. So I, I think my, my personal view, I think Leon Cameron did a sterling job at the Giants. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you only have to see some, the response, social media and stuff from the players and how glowingly they speak of him. And, um, you know, I guess my dealings with him personally, he's been um, like reached out a couple of times. Like it just shows the mark of the bloke he is. And I think the record speaks for itself. But I thought it was handled from what my perspective unbelievably well. Um, you know, whether or not it was mutual, I think ultimately it sets a great precedence for you know where the club wants to go next as far as how it deals with its people, how it respects its people. And ultimately for me, that's such a significant cornerstone in terms of what their next move is. Um, and I, th- I felt like it was just handled and um, controlled publicly in particular, you know, really terrifically. And, uh, and you know, I think he was shown the respect he deserved from, from the perspective that we saw. You've worked under Adam Uzi. You've had a first-hand look. Jared's speculated that he could be the guy as the, as the best of the contenders. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like I obviously sat in the box a bit last year, not playing too much. And um, and just seeing him, uh, yeah, I guess the, the dynamic that Melbourne use is, you know, goodies on the bench and the assistants are in the box. And uh, he absolutely controls, um, I guess, the understanding of the state of the game um, and sort of then opens the discussion to the other assistants as far as, you know, what levers they're going to pull within the game style or game plan. And just listening to him, his calmness, his understanding of how he sees it and things are unfolding and he's, he's got a terrific eye for it. And um, Did he make changes that 
could have ended up being the difference between them winning a between winning a flag and not. Was it? Could he have been that significant? Oh, he had a huge hand in. Um, he had a major hand in from what from my experience with our midfield group, and you know the criticism on Melbourne in particular was our. You know, we were terrific in the contest, but you know there was this. Uh, you know, opinion that it was always bees to a honeypot. You know, we'd have all our players go on the ball and teams, if they could just get it in that out of, like pop that little inside bubble and get it to the outside, that they'd expose us. And he works so tirelessly in terms of, you know, running patterns and players understanding sort of situations and reading cues and these kind of things, which now you look at Melbourne, they're almost bulletproof in that exact situation that probably un- undid them as a, us as a midfield group or as a club for so for so many years so you know he was so you know so important in that space and then offensively he's he spent a lot of time uh you know i guess along with goody uh you know, developing a real clear style in terms of how we want to play offensively and sort of adding gears to our offense being able to play slowly being able to play fast being able to play kicking to a contest so you know, from my experience, is, uh, you know, Melbourne were sort of uh, trying to chase him down for a few years and they finally got their man. I know behind the scenes in particular, Josh, uh, Josh Marnie was right. and they got him and he certainly made a difference, that's for sure. It's, it's impossible to keep a coach in an assistant role, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> If you're asked, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Nathan Jones with his insights. We'll keep these conversations going throughout our Friday night preview. We will be inside the Collingwood Count next with Brendan Bolton. This is the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. Cameron Mooney is going to join us tonight. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Beaumont Tiles, hybrid flooring in store now. Friday night footy from Marvel. It is Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs. AFL Nation is for Sports Power. Get the latest Nike footy boots in store at Sports Power now. It's one of those weird fixtures where it's Collingwood's home game against a tenant club at Marvel. Why these games persist is a bit of a... It's a bit of a thorn. Is Collingwood just hosted the Suns at the MCG? Is they, they surely should be playing this game at the G rather than at the Bulldogs' home ground? Yes, it's uh, <laughs> mind you, they get to do it at the MCG, don't they? In reverse sometimes, so, but uh, it is odd. <laughs> it is odd. But there's a lot of things about the fixture that's odd. Yes, uh, Brendan Bolton's going to join us shortly. Just, just oh, continuing on the the coaching and the Giants conversation. So there, the one question with the Giants is. Can they play in a different way? So I think the evolution of the Cameron years is really interesting as they start all flash with no grunt and then they become fearsome. And then suddenly they're all grunt with, with none of the flash that they used to have. Is, and that's this a decent portion of the season is can they be more than they have been in, in the I guess, the period of decline? That's a great question, Jones. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think they can be now. Whether they, whether they still can be now, I think they could have been. But that's with the asterisks that they had in. They never, he never had the full team yep. at his disposal. He always had injuries. But that would be the criticism of him if there is one: is that they lost, they lost that dynamic style and what they replaced it with. Probably apart from 2019, where they just incredibly found a way to get through and then fell well short. We didn't really see 
the best of them when they should have been at the right age to strike. Yeah, I think I reckon that's the exciting thing for Mark McVay, and I reckon you've probably hit that. That's the mentioning that that's the opening for him for the next thirteen weeks. Mm. Is can he release the shackles? Can he bring you know an element of defensiveness and their hardness and brutality around the contest? But can they get back to playing like with? And or can they harness a genuine flair on offense, which allows their players like all that talent is is still there, but can they find the right balance for it? And I think in recent times, maybe they've tipped one way or the other. Uh, and for the next thirteen weeks, I reckon that's the challenge for him. If he's going to be coach or not going to be coach, we all think he's probably not going to be. But the biggest challenge for him is, well, can I just can I get some excitement and some exuberance around the club and the team again and and uh, and you know open up, uh, I guess any sort of constraints that may have already been there, and and see if we can just get them back playing with their real natural talent and flair. It was pretty damning that they could play. I know it was a different caliber of opponent, but they could play the way they could against Adelaide, and then just show none of that last yeah. week against Geelong. Now that was obviously brilliantly coached by Chris Scott and, and what Geelong did, but there was not a sign of it, was mm. there? And his description of boring, like it's, it was clearly a frustration for him. And it didn't necessarily reflect, I mean, it didn't reflect greatly on Leon, but it's more a reflection on the players, surely. Mm. Well, yeah, but it's it's sort of hard to make comment without knowing what, what, uh, you know, how they're trying to play or what they're trying to execute. I guess from what we see, you're like, why why not take more risks? What's been the message during the week? You know, why not, you know, switch the ball a bit more or try and go back through the corridor or you know, create more overlap. Why go back off the mark? Why play slowly? Well, they're all the things that we can't, we don't have an answer for. It's, um, and it's sort of hard to make an opinion on, but I think, well, that's what we hope for now with, uh, with the opportunity that Mark McVeigh has is, is can he release some of that? And can we see them playing more regularly the exciting brand of footy that, that we think and probably know that they're still capable of? Tonight, what will we see with Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs? We're going to touch base with both teams. Let's head into the Magpies lineup first with uh, senior assistant coach Brendan Bolton. Brendan, great to have you on AFL Nation. Thanks for having me on, gents. Uh, I don't know whether you can say it. What is it? Um, 6.34. Is Scott Pendlebury a late out tonight? Yes, he, uh, he won't be playing, unfortunately. We Over the last two or three weeks, I think many clubs have been hit with this flu. And, um, yeah, I found out late... Late this afternoon, he's uh, not feeling the best, so we'll, we'll miss our skipper. So the, the flu rather than the, the health and safety protocols? Yeah, that was my understanding. Yeah, okay. yeah. So what, what does, um, when you get here, well, what does that do? Is, is there a little bit of work to be done? Oh, well, we have our, our sub in place, so um, you know, it's just a little bit of a shuffling of the decks. We actually picked probably uh, eight guys that could play through the defence this week, so it was quite an easy little shuffle. Um, Sometimes it's a little bit more complex, but that one was a bit easier for us. I don't think he can replace Pendles in terms of talent and leadership, but in terms of um, someone to fill the role, uh, we had enough there to cover. He's just a boring defender these days, isn't he, (laughs) Bolts? You don't have to worry about him too much. Yeah, give him a stir and tell him that. Yeah. Before uh, Jonesy uh, speaks to you, a lot of interest in in the defence, obviously, and and Darcy Moore. So what was the the analysis team coaching-wise in the end after last week, and will adjustments be made for tonight? Yeah, I just thought um, in general between the arcs we, when the ball was turned over we were a little bit loose, both mids and, and defenders. I think we probably um, guarded a little bit too much space for too long. So a little bit of a tightening of the screws in that uh, area. We've been doing that pretty well. Uh, but last week uh, 
was one where we'd uh, like to grow on for sure. And was, did you have to, um, or did the coach have to have you know, special conversations with Darcy, not just about what he did or didn't do on the field, but just you know, copying, the, copying that kind of attention post, which he probably hadn't really experienced much in his, in his career up till now? Uh, well, I think, you know, Lepper uh, has a really strong relationship with all the defenders, obviously working that part. So he would have analysed their tapes and gone through it in a real matter-of-fact um, sort of conversation. I think that's a great thing about line coaches. They get to work with players so closely, they form a really strong relationship and can have the conversations required. But I'm sure you'll see a determined Darcy tonight. And how much do you think that defensive side of things being exposed, I mentioned to the boys earlier, I think internally, from my experience, Bolts, that the pressure would have been put on more so potentially to the players up the field, the midfielders and the forwards, to assist with helping those defensive boys and their ability to be able to position and intercept. No, you're exactly right. As you know, with um, team defence, there's layers of um, how much pressure the forwards are putting on, um, whether or not your midfielders are defending too skinny and not the corridor, because as we know, if a, any team, if you get an open play through the corridor, it's really difficult for a defender one-on-one. So, um, yeah, it wasn't all just... A, in our review, it was never just about the defenders. It was about the team defence and the layers. And at times, the midfielders are a little bit skinny and not owning the corridor well enough. So... Um, yeah, that's where the game's at at the moment. Yeah, and the loss of Grundy, you know, obviously disappointing for you guys, but the, you know, I think Darcy Cameron getting the chance again to have a crack as the number one ruckman. He's been pretty impressive the last couple of weeks. But like, where do you see his best footy fitting in? Is he, is he potentially your number one ruck down the track or, or is, he, you know, is he the forward ruck foil for Grundy that you're looking for? Yeah, really hope he, hopeful that he can... Um you know, establish himself as a, a ruck forward because, you know, we have got Grundy who we know can be a lead in this competition. So that second ruck that can make an impact up forward, I think, are really valuable in the competition. There's, they're hard to find. There's not many of them, and the ones that do it really well are really valuable. So for Darcy, I'm really excited that he gets his chance to show his wares in the ruck and build his confidence there because he hasn't played a lot of games. But um, we're also hopefully he can make some impact up forward. Paddy Lipinski lines up against his old team. He has been terrific in black and white. As What have you made of his eight games, Brendan? Yeah, Jared, I've been really, um, really pleased with the way he transitions up and down the ground. I was surprised. I didn't realise from afar. I've obviously coded a lot of vision of him, um, but he transitions far better than I thought, both offensively and defensively, and gives us a real good balanced uh, runner there because we've got some bulls in there like Taylor Adams that go and hunt the ball, and I think he gives us balance both ways. Is there any, speaking of that, is there any other players that have really surprised you, Brennan, when from, you know, instead of being the opposition, they're now, you get to work closely with them? Yeah, there's been quite a few. I've been, um, although he's not playing at the moment, I was surprised with uh, the leadership and understanding of the game that uh, Jamie Elliott has. He was a real organiser and, and leader both up front and when he went into the centre bounces. So, um, yeah, that, that was a real surprise that, there was more leadership within the group. It was just a matter of um, asking and probing enough to understand what they feel and think inside. And Jeremy Howe's another one. His leadership was um, around the game and how all the other layers affect the defence or offence. I thought, you know, we've got a lot of um, players that could potentially coach into the future, I think. We were just talking before, Brendan, at the establishment phase of the season, things are shiny and new. You get uh, really good results to match the work that's being done. You find yourself at four and four. It, do we, have we moved into the grind of the season now? I'm just interested in what the flow looks like internally. No, I would agree with that. Um, you know, 
you start to get into winter and once you hit sort of June and July, I reckon the the big boys stand up, so to speak. I reckon they play consistent footy through that. And, you know, you look at Melbourne and Richmond over the last few years, they play really consistent footy through that period. So um, it's a marathon um, AFL and I think we need to show grit and determination through the, the next four to six weeks because um, that can set you up for the back end of the year. Do you feel like you've bettered down a lot of what... So th- I imagine there's an immense amount of work when you arrive as a new group. H- how bettered down is uh, uh, is the, the elements of your game that you really want? I think there's some really strong understanding in the three phases that all um, coaches talk about, offence, defence and, and stoppage. Um, so I think they know the core principles and we've educated really, really heavy, actually. We've been, to be fair, we've been unrelenting with our education and the players have been so receptive... But once you've got the core, there's all the little details and intricacies around it, and that's taking some time. So I think from a big picture, they know what we're about, but there's still some detail to, to nail over the next uh, oh, few years, I would have thought. Yes. Yeah, it's, that's really interesting. And, and you know, having spoken to a, a couple of coaches that have made significant changes either last year or the year before, it, just how long it actually takes to, um, to embed, particularly if it's a significant change and how you're going about one of those three, particularly if it's a defensive system, say. So what's your view on how long it does take? I reckon... Or does yeah, it depend on your playing group and uh, yeah. where they're at? I think there's a combination of what you said. I think it depends on how many leaders you've got on the oval that can see and been around and can see how one phase you're talking about will affect another. I think that's the challenge. You can coach a phase of the game, but when you really get genuine buy-in, they can see the ripple on how it affects offence, defence and stoppage where they're running. So... That takes a bit of time because they've virtually got to live it, fail it sometimes and also be successful with it to really grab on, particularly young players where the older guys have have lived a little bit of that. So, um, yeah, in short, I think lived experience is really important. It's great to get your insights, Brendan. Good luck for tonight. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Cheers. Brendan Bolton, assistant coach at Collingwood. AFL Nation will take your feedback all weekend on the Southern Phone open line. Switch and save with Southern Phone mobile plans. Um, Pendlebury, given what the Bulldogs are missing... um, Pendlebury outs, uh, a, a reasonable balance of the ledger. Absolutely. I was about to say, evens the ledger a little bit. Yeah, it's... uh, well, particularly with how hard they would have reviewed things defensively, probably the number one guy on their side from a from a general setup communication, uh, you know, organisation point of view, I think he's a big an underrated loss. Like obviously we know the calibre of player, even the quality he's been playing down back, but yeah, it's uh, be interesting. He's been, I think he's had a terrific year, really. Mm. The Hyundai Staria Load is the van that is big on space and huge on safety. It's the only commercial van to receive five-star rating and platinum awards from for safety from ANCAP. Available from 47990 Drive Away for ABN holders. Take a tech drive today. Nathan Jones to be joined by Cameron Mooney tonight on AFL Nation. Jared Watley and Anthony Hudson with you. The pregame show is for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Times. Hybrid flooring in store now. Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs Friday night footy AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest Nike footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Scott Pendlebury confirmed out for the Magpies. Brendan Bolton's told you that. We'll touch base with the Bulldogs Chief Executive Amit Baines shortly. Um, North Melbourne's week. So... 
year two can be a tricky year to navigate in a uh, in a rebuild. You might have lived year two a few times over, <laughs> Nathan. What have you made of, of the the conversation surrounding he, North he's Melbourne? He's lived a lot of things yeah, that we're yeah. talking about. <laughs> be interesting to know which which phases of the rebuild um, you would delineate. <laughs> um, how did you how did you take in North's week? Uh, like I I like the fact. I loved his honesty, the fact that he admitted that he was wrong. I think that was endearing for mine. Like, uh, I think if he goes the other way and says, no, that's that's just what I do, I think that it becomes polarising and quite divisive amongst the players. But I would hope that how they've addressed it publicly, he would have gone to in even more depth, you know, behind closed doors. And if anything, for me personally, if, if I've seen a coach do that, I think that's you instantly become more relatable, getting down on their level and then being able to understand that, you know, he's human, he makes mistakes. In the heat of the moment, he's just let rip and he doesn't want that to be, you know, a definitive moment in his coaching career. But I have major concerns for North, really. Like, it's, um, you know, the inconsistency of their effort. I think watching them play, I'm not 100% sure on, like, there's a distinct game style in terms of how they're what they're trying to do, uh, particularly when I watch them defensively and as a unit and as a team from, you know, where I've come from and how I've seen Melbourne build into the powerhouse that they are right now. So it's an interesting time at North. Like, um, they're going to want to get results because if not, then we see little things that bob up that then create bigger issues. And the example is the Horn Francis contract situation. Now, read into it what you want. But that's a concern. Like, he's an ultimate talent that they would 100% be needing if they're rebuilding their footy club. That's the kind of guy you're rebuilding your club around. Um, And you don't want... You want to keep selling hope to those players so they can generate some sort of momentum off the back of it and continue to build the foundations behind it that, you know, ultimately they don't lose players like him and of his calibre, which is then essentially (laughs) they're back to square one again. Yep. It's opened up a fascinating discussion during the week about uh, sprays and the psychology behind it all. But I think we need a premiership, a former North Melbourne great, a premiership player. I'm sick of hearing Kingy's views. We need a premiership player who, who just bled for the Kangaroos. And in the absence of that, hello, Cameron Moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we just have Moon's on here? Hang on. No, that's there we go. Ah, there we go. Hello guys. Hello guys. How is everybody? Nice to see. Fantastic you. driving up, listening to you boys. You sounded fantastic. You just wanted that intro all night. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, from a North Melbourne point of view, look, I've got, I've got two names for these young players. Jared, Dennis Pagan. <laughs> Seriously, boys, harden up a little bit. <laughs> God, the sprays that we used to get, Nath, unbelievable. So, look, I, I do agree. I, I like the fact that yeah, he probably went. Went a little bit too far as far as a lot of their players concerned, but did he own up to it? Yeah, put his hand up and said, you know, we'll all try to do better, and that's okay. But um, look, there is still room in our game for a coach to give a, a group a bit of a spray. So harden up a little bit, boys. <laughs> to get the truth across. I'm curious, Nathan, is so in the phases of the rebuild that didn't work, so before you get to the building of the superpower, when, when does it creep in that, Oh, God, I don't know whether we're on the right track yeah. or not. I think for me it was like sensing that whether the club as an entirety was on the same page like from as an organisation. Um, because, you know, within the footy department, they're pushing, 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 but are they getting the support and the resources and the, you know, 
just being given the direction from above to allow that growth and that investment in the direction that they're going. I felt at times, you know, throughout my career, you know, there what there wasn't that. Um, they weren't on the same page that you know they uh, and they weren't sort of pushing the all pushing in the one direction and then you know then the experience where it all started for Melbourne and where they are right now was you know the Peter Jackson appointment Ruse appointment the succession with Goody and all throughout that period there was never a time that there was a deal and I was skipper through that time so I was privy to a lot more sort of private conversation other than just being a part of the team um there was never a deviation in terms of where we're going yes the team sort of went a little bit forward and a little bit back but that's just progress there's no lineal line to the premiership um but internally as far as a, a you know aspiration direction and um you know i guess the core value in terms of what we wanted to stand for and where we wanted to go and get to that that didn't change for a five six year period and ultimately we get the reward I think the biggest thing from a footy club, and people have got to remember, is just how hard this game is. And it takes a long time to grow as a group. Geelong, we took, we took close to five, six, yeah. seven years seven before years, we won yeah. a premiership up in the bomber. You boys under Goody, was that five years? Five years, yeah. Five years. That's a long time in football terms. But people outside of footy clubs aren't patient. You know, it's, it's a dirty word for, for a lot of supporters and, and a lot of people in the media and all of those type of things. But I think that we saw, David Noble saw what Chris Fagan did at Brisbane and, and Fagan was brilliant with the message, wasn't he? Like they could lose. Yeah, but he had a better list too. And, but I mean, had obviously he, he did. So yeah. it's hard to, mm. it's not fair probably to make those two comparisons directly except probably in, in being able to sell it and being able to, Give them mm. get people to identify where they're going, because and maybe it is just because they don't have the talent. I think to year even... two is too early for us to be jumping up and down. I know it might look like they've gone backwards, but um, and the results aren't great. But it's it's what they think they're how they're going internally. That is the big that is the big thing. And then from a player point of view, and this is a good one for you, Nate. I think from with with a coach, do they lose the players? And when they lose the players, that's when they're done. Yeah, that's when they're cooked. Yep. Now I've spoken to North Pearl. They haven't lost. The, he hasn't lost the players. Yeah. They, they really like him. They really love the way that he's teaching them. Cam Mooney, Nathan Jones in place for in the Bulldogs camp next in the lead up to the Pies and the Dogs AFL Nation. The pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles hybrid flooring in store now. Friday night footy at Marvel. It's Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs. Scott Pendlebury is out of the Magpie side. Cal Brown comes into the 22. And Jeremy Howe is the captain for the evening. So uh, a little shuffle around for the Pies with their skipper. The late out, the medical subs, uh, McRae for the Pies and Rourke Smith for the Western Bulldogs. We've spoken to Brendan Bolton in our pre-match show. Amit Baines is going to join us shortly. The uh, chief executive of the Western Bulldogs. In fact, he might be with us now. Yes? Is Amit with us? Uh, I've got Nathan Jones, Cameron Mooney, Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson. Amit, good evening. Evening, gentlemen. Uh, we were just uh, thinking at the start of the program, fork in the road. Is it a fork in the road game at three and five? Oh, I think it starts becoming a bit perilous if we uh, lose tonight and go three and six. So certainly an important game for us. Does that, um, does that raise the nerve levels coming in? 
Oh, I, th- I think it does. Um, I- I'm a nervous type anyway before any game day, so it's probably a little bit more heightened coming into a game like this and, and what's on the line. But um, I know the guys have had a really strong week and whilst we've got a few players that uh, are missing from last week, it's, it's great to have the-, the captain back and Alex Keith as well. Hey, mate, Cam Mooney here, mate. How are you going? Well, thanks, Cam. Just on Marcus Bontempelli, I know we've, we've talked about where he plays. We know where he plays best. He's an AAA plus grader in, in the midfield, but you've needed him down forward, obviously, with the loss of Bruce. Do we, do we keep going with that experiment, or is this like, you know what, as, as Jared said, maybe it's a fork in the road game. Do we just put our main man in the midfield and let him go? Yeah, I, th- I think, again, um, Cam, it's a good question. I think, you know, it's dependent a bit on the opponent and what we've had available as well. Um, you know, we had uh, Buku come into the team last week after some strong VFL form. He's obviously still pretty raw, but competes really strongly in the air that, you know, gave us another target against Port Adelaide. So that, that'll help with getting that balance right. But, yeah, obviously Marcus is, you know, one of the best midfielders, if not the best, when, he, when he's up and going. So, um, you know, it'd be nice to have two of him. And missing Tim English... Obviously, with the hamstring and then now the flu, uh, obviously his form this year has been outstanding and one of, well, from my perspective, probably one of your most important players. How is he and uh, will he be back next week? Yeah, no doubt, Nathan. He, um, you know, has had a tremendous year to, to date and that hamstring injury was a bit of a blow and we're really excited about him coming back. He did a, a terrific session um, over the last weekend that, you know, was the final tick-off for a new game ready ahead of training this week and then, yeah, been laid up by the flu. So, um, you know, he's still suffering a little bit today. So in, in terms of next week and beyond, that'll need to be assessed when he's fully healthy and, you know, able to train and get that workload back into him given he already missed three weeks coming into this week. He probably owes Collingwood one or two, doesn't he, from previous matches too, with uh, Brody Grundy teaching the lesson a couple of times? Yeah, well, that's right. And Brody obviously injured himself, so, you know, potentially would have been an opportunity. But in the end, it's an opportunity for Jordan Sweet to, to play. He got his opportunity for, you know, three, four games last week during... Uh, sorry, last year during the middle of the season and acquitted himself well. So, you know, fantastic opportunity on a Friday night for him to show his wares. How do you manage and assess how a team is going when your injury list is so big at the moment? Yeah, look, I think it's difficult. Um, you know, the, the size of the injury list is one thing, but I suppose to have missed some of those key planks and you look at the team that, that played last week to not have, you know, your, your full forward, your, your full back Ruckman, best midfielder. Um, you know, sometimes it's not the, the quantity, it's the quality, and that, that's been a little bit hard. So I think the most important thing internally has been a real keeping of the faith um, and, and knowing what we're capable of and just having to, to come to games like tonight and just try and get the job done and, you know, see who comes back next week and, and, and face that opponent, you know, with the 23 that we take out there. But it, it has been difficult and challenging at different times, there's no doubt. And how's Bevo going, Amit? Um, obviously, the year probably may have not gone to expectation at this point in time through a whole host of reasons, which we've already touched on a couple. But, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of a, a blow-up of sorts early in the year after the Melbourne game, but how's he how's he coping under the pressures? Yeah, oh look, we won't, um, and you're not asking me to, but we won't go back to to that round <laughs> no, one. No. But, but certainly since since no. that time, he's been you know he's been faultless really, and um, you know he put his hand up at the time and acknowledged the wrongdoing in that as as we did as a club, and I think his commitment to to being better in that realm has been terrific. But the way he is as a person and that ongoing positivity and and optimism that he generates within the team, you know, the self-belief that the players carry out on the ground is still very strong and, um, you know, that that helps coming off the the history that we have in the last few years of finals as well. Alistair Clarkson made the observation last night. So 
he said halfway through the third quarter, we all feel like the Bulldogs are going to win the Premiership. And maybe you felt that as well. And then not much has to go wrong. And it's just so hard to get back. Do, do you have some sort of affinity with, with his observation? Yeah, oh, look, I don't think any of us thought that we'd won the Premiership at, at that point in time, but certainly felt that we were going really strongly and yeah, clearly things unravelled um, at that point. But knowing how hard it is to get there, clearly the, the, the mental load of, of trying to get back there again um, after the disappointment of last year is pretty strong. And to have not had some of the continuity that we would have liked has obviously been that extra bit challenging, but we, we all know that it's really tough and challenging and that's why we have so much respect for clubs like you know Richmond um, you know even Geelong and, and other teams that have consistently been top four finishing and playing in the last couple of weeks of the season. Is there any way to measure that? So one of the unanswerable questions being pondered is is there scarring or whatever that is is there any way to actually measure that internally in real time? Oh, it was a good qualification at the end, Jared, with the real time. I'm not sure it is in my experience. I think, you know, there are elements that come to light uh, in real time, but it's really the the hindsight reflection on the season and, and different points. And, um, you know, I think part of the difficulty is understanding, you know, in, in depth what each individual player or, or coach or staff member is feeling at any given time um, that, that goes to that. But, you know, I can say that the, the confidence in, in what we're capable of is still very strong. But going to your opening question, the results need to reflect that now. I mean, where is Riley West at? I mean, this is, uh, it's very hard when you're the, you're the son of a legend at a football club, and I think we've seen that he's got a lot of talent, but I guess he's been at the club now a few years but hasn't put together a lot of games. Where, where is he at? What's happening? Now, it's a good question. It's terrific that he gets an opportunity tonight as well. He's toiled away, as, as you've said, in VFL level for a while. I think Riley's best football as a junior was, as a midfielder, really tough. Mm uncompromising type of inside midfielder and obviously at, at our club it's a challenge um, you know we look across to our opponents tonight and love Paddy Lipinski and wish him well to an extent tonight but it's been tough for um, some of those guys to get regular opportunity so you know Riley's had to reframe his game a bit more as a, a small forward half forward and and you know play well in that type of role to to then get the opportunity where the vacancies lie at senior level so to his credit you know he's, he hasn't um, dropped his guard he hasn't you know sucked for want of a better word at any time he's just kept persisting and he's a really good teammate you know he's very popular so I know that with his selection this week the guys are really thrilled for him and I'm sure he'll give a good account of himself. As a former list manager mate, philosophically hypothetically can you have too many midfielders? Oh, I think you need the balance on the field absolutely um, you know I think if you look at our team there's you know, probably a couple of um, areas where we we could use a bit of strengthening that we've you know been well documented, particularly um, with key defenders when when injuries have struck. So I think the balance is always important. Um, but I think one of the the real qualities of, of Bevo as a coach throughout his entire tenure um, is just taking really talented footballers and you know getting them to be very versatile in what they do to then you know deliver what is the best outcome for the club. What about Lockie Hunter? I mean, how, how, how's everything going there with him? I mean, clearly you're missing him on the ground, but more importantly, how's he going off it? Yeah, look, Lock, Lock's improving a lot day by day. It's obviously been a, not only this year, but been a, you know, two or three difficult years for him, um, which has been well documented. So the club continues to support him. Um, I know that his teammates and, and key footy staff 
uh, speak to him and catch up with him regularly. Um, I was in touch with him a few days ago, and his, his spirits are good. And um, as you know, the um, the difference between being healthy and happy in your, in within yourself from a physical and health um, sorry physical and mental health perspective as a person um, is still a different threshold to doing it as a professional footballer. So it's just you know making sure that he's absolutely right and he's in that frame of mind to come back and then you know compete at the level that he wants to and that we want to because he's an incredibly important part of our setup. It feels like in what you've got on your list, Amit, there are uh, there are obvious gaps, and we were theorising before is the tall forward gap is clear, but it's possible that the answers are already on your list. They're yes. just not going to be ready <laughs> for the now. Um, how do you balance up whether you've got it or whether you've got to actually get into the market at the end of the year and add it? Yeah, it's you know it is it is a live question for us at the moment. Obviously with Brucey going down last year and, and not playing for the bulk of this year and um, Jamara is the obvious one who has played um, had some really good outings against Sydney was really impressive and a key contributor in that win but has obviously struggled since uh, and Sam Darcy is the other one that you're referencing Jared, who gets his first game at VFL level this weekend after a really slow um, considered build up with him so the interesting thing with him for, for Dogs fans he got drafted at 203 centimetres uh, but a couple of weeks ago clocked in at 207.5 so <laughs> It's been the growing, crazy. Yeah, isn't it? it's been the growing pains that have slowed him down a bit. So clearly, with someone still growing at that rate, we've just been really patient with him. So it's a good question, and, and we'll continue to assess that. We're hopeful that um, Josh Bruce returns at least at VFL level. You know, in the next sort of four or five weeks, um, which will also give us a better indication of, you know, how how quickly he's able to come back to at least playing a really strong contributing role. Is it those extra centimeters? Does it make it harder to be a a key forward, um, obviously he can ruck as well, but at that height, boy, does yeah. it make much difference? Oh, I think it does. I mean, one of the, um, clears a father-son, it was a, a decision that was easy for us to make given how talented he is, but in his draft year, he played key forward, he played a bit of ruck, he played key defender as well and was likened, um, obviously got a, a long, long way to go to get there, but likened a little bit to, to Harris Andrews in terms of the way he played and the reach and things like that. But those extra centimetres make it a bit more interesting, I think, to to play um, that end of the ground and, and perhaps as key forward, given given that height. I don't yeah. have those gross spurts in year five and then just stopped after that. <laughs> still <laughs> waiting, mate. <laughs> I still wish count. I could have a gross spurt. <laughs> uh, are, you, are you on the cusp of the Tim English signature? Yeah, look, things have, things have been really positive um, between Sam Power and Andrew McDougall, um, Tim's manager. So we're hopeful that that you know, gets finalised and, and resolved. I think at the moment with Tim being unwell and just focusing on getting back into the team, um, you know, that, that's clearly the priority for all of us. But we are hopeful and, you know, we do have a few players out, but they're all, you know, well-progressed contract negotiations. And I think, you know, in, in part, that's where the future confidence comes with us from a, from a list management perspective of the depth of talent on our list, even, you know, if we don't have the ability to have them all out there at this point in time. So, so with English, do you feel like whatever, if there was ever any danger from the West, that it, that it has passed? Um, never say never until it's uh, until you've got a contracting, um, Jared. But yeah, look, we feel pretty confident about it. Uh, Amit, good luck for the night. Sam, thanks for joining us. Thanks, gentlemen. Amit Baines, the chief executive of the Western Bulldogs. Um, yeah, their list, uh, their list is so fascinating. It is. It's, and a little bit of it depends on what happens. So just you could run the, the exercise. Imagine if they miss the eight. Every chance. 
do they sit there and go, is this still a premiership list? The injuries mm. that we got these key pieces who we're trying to develop, if they scrounge into the eight and don't amount to much, if they make the eight and end up making a push on what they've been previously, their list is deeply fascinating. I, I personally think they've got enough talent to be a premiership team again. And um, do they think they nearly are? Do they do what Melbourne did and go, okay, we, we're going to get a pick way higher than we thought we were going to. Let's, let's couple that with our future, with the future first, say, and really be aggressive and go out and either get, if they think there's talent in the, in the draft, then pick those guys who they, they can make a difference or maybe... But is there a window tra- now? So you yeah. talk about going to the or, draft. Or, or trade to... to, to and- so the biggest one for me right now is, does Josh Bruce come back and be the Josh Bruce that we saw before his knee? So that's going to be their big question. Uh, if he doesn't, well, there's a hole. For me, that's their biggest hole right now is that second, second key forward. Now, do they go out and get someone? Same in defence, though, as well, isn't Yeah, it? but you've got Keith. I, I, I'm a big fan of Keith. He'd come back. And again, injuries aside, if everyone's fit, I think the Bulldogs are a premiership team. But they are missing a key forward if Bruce doesn't come back to be the player that he was before he went out, in my opinion. And what, what will Darcy be at, mm. at that that's height? tall for a full forward, isn't it, or a centre-half forward? What was he in the end? 207 and a half. Seven. <laughs> he's a ruckman. Jeez. Yeah. And if he's a ruckman, then English is... Might be an NBA him. career there. Yeah. Might have missed out on. Be a lot easier. English's start to the season said he's, <laughs> he's your guy for years mm. to come. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a really interesting... And, you know, will Jamara well, come that, on? That's still a question, isn't it? Yep. I mean. See, Jamara, for me, I, I've watched a little bit of Jamara and I watched him last year in the VFL. I don't think he's your key forward. I don't think he plays that way. I don't think he's your crash and bash type of forward. I think he's extremely skillful and talented, uh, but I would love to see him, and I hope over the next year or two he gets a huge engine, Nathan, and I hope he actually runs and uses that ability up through the ground like a Matthew Richardson, like a Nick Rewald, just leading and running, all of those type of things. But for me, I don't want to see him crash and bash because I don't think that's his game. And if you're going to play him in that position, you're hurting him as a player, and I think you're hurting yourselves as a team. They they can see that it's going to be Darcy, Norton and Jamara, Mm. And it's just a matter of time. That's the really difficult question. Because if they then go to try and get another forward from somewhere else, they've got to sell to him that you're going to come yeah. here and be our gun forward. But that forward's going to go, well, hang on. You've got a couple, you've got a couple coming of through. others coming through. I might only get one year and then be squeezed and it's out. It's also you've got to look at their age demographic. I mean, this is why I think, this is why I talk about Melbourne. I think Melbourne have just got a, a hand on the cup for the next two or three years because of their age demographic of their best players. Now, these guys are a little bit the same, I think. I think their best players are still in that really sweet age of 26 to 30. So I don't think they're going to go anywhere anytime soon, as long as they're, they're injury-free. The Hyundai Staria Load is the van that is big on space and huge on safety. It's the only commercial van to receive five-star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP. Available from 47.990 Drive Away for ABN holders. Take a tech drive today. You're on the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. Bulldogs going through their warm-ups ahead of their match against the Magpies this Friday night. Cam Mooney and Nathan Jones are our experts tonight. Um, we usually do a little bit of sort of old bull, young bull, the difference in the generations. You're not quite generationally <laughs> removed as uh, we would normally have. He's I am curious old. about this. I'm getting old. Um, so it felt to me like 
um, in the talk about spray. So Michael Voss could remember a spray from more than 30 years ago, word for word. Lockie Neal could remember a spray he'd got before he'd played a game. <laughs> is, there, is there a phrase that lives in the back of your mind and haunts you from an angry coach at some stage during your career? Well, Anthony brought up my, my, my fantastic 99 premiership. So five minutes to go, Jonesy. We're up by about 40-odd points. Uh, we've got Carlton beat. And I've spent most of the day on the bench. So I started on the ground. I got, got dragged after about five minutes. I spent the rest of the day on the bench. So finally, five minutes to go. We're up. The game's won. I finally get the call. I go back on. And I'm so angry. I run back on. And Simon Beaumont ran straight in front of me as I ran on. And I've lifted an elbow and got him right in the back of the ear. Umpire saw it. Free kick. I get dragged straight back on. <laughs> so again, this is now four minutes to go in the grand final. We're up by 40-odd points. And I've got handed the phone. And Dennis... And he has called me everything that you can imagine under the sun. <laughs> he said, my mum made a mistake having me. All of those oh, things wow. just hit me between the eyes with it all. So that was, that was arguably, that was easily the best spray that I ever got. And we're three minutes from winning a premiership. Wow. <laughs> oh, so that's how ruthless the old man was. Mine's not as good as that. Um, Neil Danaher, though, one of my first training sessions, I kicked the ball into the man on the mark and he absolutely went through me. <laughs> and I was like, we're at training. I'm like, like I'm a 17-year-old, just been, I've been at a club like a couple of weeks. He went through me saying I was lazy and I had my head up my ass. And, um, yeah. He, he, and it's, was I'm he waiting for a chance, do you reckon? I'm to... not sure. I reckon maybe I, I, I must have just rubbed him up the wrong way in that first week or two. And, uh, but, yeah, I'll never forget that because it was like he fully made a absolute point of it in front of the entire team and I was like I sort of finished training and left and was like that was a bit out of like character. I did not expect that I'm like all I did was kick the ball and the man on the mark like but I think he was just sort of teaching me that you know, I guess the simplicity of footy and just making sure I don't get too far ahead of myself too quickly so um and he could give a good oh spray, he gave yeah. me I've like I fortunately for me I don't really have any recollection of being absolutely nailed myself personally but I remember Danners in particular, like, you wouldn't want to be in the front row. I'll give you the hot tip. You'd need windscreen wipers. Like, he was spraying, literally spitting all over you when he, when he let rip. And uh, he had veins popping out everywhere. But, yeah, he could give an almighty one. But, but then following on from that, I don't reckon, like, it really has phased yeah. right out. It, it is a different, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a different generation now. And, and coaches have had to learn. And this is, again, this is where a guy like David Noble, who is very old school. I mean, I had David Noble as my under-18s coach at, at um, uh, what was it, New South Wales ACT Rams. And we had plenty of run-ins. And I was a 16-year-old, and I thought, and I, and I can sit up now and say it was all my fault because I was a stupid, cocky 16-year-old <laughs> idiot. But he gave me a couple of absolute great sprays even back then. So he's very old school. So, yes, this is something that he has to learn and, and again, he's put his hand up and admitted, so, you know, I'll, I'll get better. And it's probably that, a bit okay. of the, the part-time, full-time stuff as well with the athletes. In the old days, you could, you could, mm. you only had them a couple of times at training, yeah. so you could, you could yeah. live on with fear and all that. But when you're seeing them all the time, that's a lot harder. I mean, some of those old sprays are unreal, aren't they? And you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's one of my favourites. Well, I'm so interested. So you're the captain, you're Jack Zebel, and you think it's okay and you know there are some young players who don't, and how you walk that line, and he was so resolute. I don't think he had anything to apologise for, because, and, because I, love I am Jack, I love school. what Jack said, yeah, though. Yeah. As long as Jack went and spoke to the kids and said, look, how are you feeling? What, okay, let's, let's go through this and have a chat with them during but the week. I reckon the fascinating thing is that this all happened, and we, we'd heard, we'd, this had been going around yeah. for a little while, 
it happened six weeks ago, so then it becomes public. So that's yeah. interesting, isn't it, as to what that well, does? Well, it only takes, you know, Jonesy to tell his, his, oh, yeah, his not, brother and his brother to tell someone. Yeah. It gets out. Eventually yeah, yeah. he's going not, to Not so out. much that it got out, but the fact that they've now had to live it all again. Yeah, yeah. you double deal on it. Yeah. So but whatever piece was struck, on, Back on the capital, you know, I know you would have done this, James. You, you sit down with the young guys and... You know, we, you know, if you had next to a locker with next to the young boy, you just have a talk to him and all that kind of stuff. You very quickly get over it. Yeah, well, your role really as that as the captain is to mediate those situations. Yeah, absolutely, great insights. Uh, you're just slightly removed from the current generation <laughs> of player now. The AFL game pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.